0: This podcast episode was recorded live at the 2022 ASCO Annual Meeting in Chicago by Oncology Data Advisor and ConveyMed. Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. I'm Kira Smith. Today I'm here at the ASCO Annual Meeting in Chicago speaking with Dr. Matt Shabbat. So, thank you for joining us. Would you like to tell us about your study on medical student readiness to treat LGBTQ patients?
1: Sure. This was a study that we conducted with medical students at the Thomas Jefferson University. It really was a follow up on prior work that we've done among oncologists, we've done work among physician assistants and nurses to assess knowledge and attitudes and affirming practice behaviors towards the LGBT patients. What we haven't done is look at medical students. That's where the training begins and that's where all those formative years come from. So we really replicated this study among medical students at a a single institution.
0: Great, Uh, so what were the results that you found?
1: Interestingly, the results we found really mirrored of what we've saw, found in oncologists on nationwide studies, but less similar to what we found among physician assistants and nurses. Mm-hmm. Some of the high level findings we found that the medical students had high confidence and comfort in treating LGB patients, LGB specifically, les- lesbian, gay, and bisexual, but they were less comfortable and confident about treating transgender patients. And this is very similar across the board. Mm-hmm. Just because this is a smaller population, there's less information in the literature about them, and and so there's a lot of clearly discomfort and low, low knowledge about treating these patients. The other things we found that they were very interested and motivated in receiving training regarding the care of LGBT patients. In fact in a separate question there was almost a majority almost all of them requested that this become mandatory education mm-hmm. which is much different than what we've seen among oncologists physician assistants and nurses the other thing we found was that we asked what we call pre and post questions so we asked a set of confidence and comfort questions at the beginning of the survey and then we asked them at the end sort of a formation of what they don't know, what they don't know Mm -hmm. type thing. And what we saw is a significant decline in some of these comfort and confidence because they realize after you go through all these questions, we ask a series of knowledge questions, you go all through all this, and they're gaining information as they take the survey, that these comforts and confidence questions come down. And the other thing we found that their, their knowledge on the unique healthcare needs of, this, of the LGBT population was actually quite high. And that's consistent with more recent studies that we've done where we saw a trend over time. Early on when we were conducting these studies eight, nine years ago, the knowledge questions were typically very low. Now we're seeing it very high. So clearly there is this information is getting disseminated. There's more publications and it's being digested by the medical community on a whole.
0: That's really great. So is there any additional research in this field and how can it be implemented into practice?
1: Right. Well, I'm I'm proud to say at the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida, we are one of the first cancer centers in the world to collect what we call sexual orientation and gender identity. This is the information to identify our sexual gender minority patients or our LGBTQ patients. Strikingly, what we have found in real time over the last six years of what we've been collecting, we're we're identifying real-world cancer disparities for the LGBT patients. So that's the area that I, I've done a lot of work on physician knowledge, medical school knowledge, provider knowledge. We've developed a curriculum to train oncologists re- regarding the, the unique healthcare needs of LGBT. So the next area of research is now doing a large scale study on identifying these disparities of among these patients. And then once we, we can identify them, then we can intervene. One mm-hmm. of the things we find are that they're less likely to participate in early detection modalities. They're more likely to be diagnosed with late stage cancers. So one of the things that we can easily start addressing in the near future is campaigns to educate not only our providers, but also the the SGM population on a whole that early detection why is important and what's available and when and how to get it. And so that's, that's an easy push that we can do to push that bar, to move it from late stage diagnosis to those early stage diagnosis, or even in, in a case of prevent in some cases, preventable disease.
0: That's great. Thank you so much for explaining all this and uh, congratulations on your pre- presentation here.
1: Thank you very much. Appreciate great. it.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast recorded live at the 2022 ASCO Annual Meeting by Oncology Data Advisor and ConveyMed. For more expert perspectives on the latest in cancer research and treatment, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at ConveyMed.io and OncData.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media for news, exclusive interviews, and more.